Welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast. A podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in, mostly, chronological order. And, well, before we get to uh, what the show is tonight, let's introduce ourselves. Um, I'm Drew. I'm Natalie. I'm the first Chris tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And with us, we have uh, two returning guests. Uh, One... Uh, she is a uh, character designer, character animator, storyboard artist, and all-around artistic genius. Uh, Lauren, a.k.a. The Abbey Roadie. Hello, Lauren. It's great to have you again. It's great to be back, of course. I'm with the coolest people here. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize I was that cool. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Look, would I have done a banner for you if, if, it, if you weren't cool? Actually, I would have not. Just, just, just a little bit. Just saying, you are special, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I speak on behalf of me and the other two. <laughs> and also joining us, uh, another returning guest, YouTuber extraordinaire and author of the upcoming book, The Master of Thief Files, the ultimate guidebook to Lupin the Third, Aficionados Chris. It's great to have you back. You got the title correct. Hooray. That's uh-huh. And it took you until the last episode to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's called character development. (laughs) (laughs) Which is something I admit TMS can only do for a specific amount of characters in this franchise. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Nat. We have a whole hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tea there, folks. (laughs) Hey, it's not tea time already. (laughs) No, we're we're long past tea time. Thank God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so ladies... Gentlemen, and all of you other lovely Lupontic folks, this is it. After six months and 24 episodes, we've reached the conclusion of our journey with Lupin III Part 6. From London to New York, with tea time, we made memories that might last forever. Railroad (laughs) shenanigans, killers cryptically cryptically ordering dinner, Black Lizard Fujiko, Jigen traumatizing a kid, a kick-ass granny, Black Lizard Fujiko, Lucifer's fucking bones. Not sure if I mentioned it, but Black Lizard, Fujiko, which you get the point. You have. <laughs> and there's something I'm forgetting. Sam. There's something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stupid ass Sherlock's home and his fucking smug ass face, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I, I thought we don't talk about Sherlock. We He's don't, like, man. No, no, I have no, to acknowledge no. it's the last episode. I'll do it out of pity. And with Ladies' Night, we entered a web of memorable, mysterious women, all puppeteered by. One hell of a fucking helicopter parent, a, a, <laughs> a badass master thief, a fatal florist, a kind-hearted doctor, a magma-seeking fashion designer, a, a politician, I suppose, a bubbly, burg- <laughs> a bubbly burglar, an, imagin- an imaginative girl who I'm almost certain has an extensive AO3 library, and an up-and-coming <laughs> streamer with a lot of grim baggage. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> They've all led us to this final episode of part six, and tonight we'll be kicking off with our roundtable discussion of episode 24, What Crooks Love, written by Shigeru Murakoshi, translated by friend of the show, Ian. Um, To kick off our conversation, Lauren, how did you feel about the episode, and how, now that we have the complete picture, do you feel about part six overall? Well, I think it's no secret, based on our previous conversations, that, uh, First half was a rocky start. Uh, (laughs) uh, Second half had me, though, I I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And given how formulaic 
Lupin can be, especially when you have characters that fall into tropes and, and have running gags and all that kind of stuff. It was interesting to see that I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I, with the whole introduction of Tomoe and all of these women and seeing how they were all thread together. I, I, of course, everybody had their theories. They're going, are they maybe all related somehow? Are they like maybe physically related or is it just, just Tomoe just taking over all their brains? We had no idea. So for it to build up to this point and for it to go as dark as it did, it's impressive. And I think with where it ended up, I think we had a satisfying conclusion to this arc. I mean, is it 100% perfect? Nothing is. But I think it what it did is it handled darker themes in, in, uh, in a still very Lupin way. And especially when it was interesting to see Lupin fall victim, even for a little bit. We're not used to that. We're not used to seeing our our anti-hero, more or less. Uh, we're not used to seeing him being subdued. In, in especially in a mental way where he his brain is his most powerful thing really to see that fall under uh, hypnosis was in it was very chilling and to see him turn against his own basically his own found family is uh, which is a theme we will be talking about family 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 uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and um, it, I think it was a satisfying conclusion I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going to be in the ballpark of being like, we have so many interesting female characters coming into the play for this. And I would love to see them, whatever ones we have left return for one-offs, if it was possible, even if it's a special or something. But I remember in the gut, in my gut, I was like, but what about Ari? And I just had it in my head. Ari will live. And seeing that happen at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was like, I don't know. I was, I thought it was a very, pleasing end, especially seeing how they all pulled together for Lupin and seeing how powerful his connection is with all of them and how that seems, I know it sounds like friendship is magic, but it's, (laughs) I think they handled it in a truly like heartwarming way that didn't seem too saccharine. It still handled it in a way that I feel like it was a nod to the connection that they've had for so long. And I think that was just visually handled well, was written well, I, I really don't have a whole lot of complaints. So, and that's compared to the first half of this, of this whole season, second half. I'm like, why couldn't we have all of this for the entire season? Why couldn't we have the second half just be that whole thing? But yeah, that's my initial thoughts, I guess. <laughs> all right. Very nice. So aficionados, Chris, red jacket, Chris, I'll pass the same question <laughs> off to you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't want to parrot things obviously because Lauren and I watched uh, knocked out both episodes before we <laughs> knew we were going to be on the show. Like, oh, we got to catch up. Uh, but yeah, basically the same thing. I was very impressed with the final episode. Uh, I I liked the Tomoe story far more than the Sherlock one. The Sherlock one was just a complete dud. At no no pun intended, given the resolution of that story. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, completely. Yeah faltered and the Tomoe stuff was so good and at the very least the filler while I didn't like still was not happy with how it was placed throughout the season in in sort of shuffling the arc it was less egregious than it was in the first half and I could write that up to 
that's just because the first half at the end of the day resulted in a wet fart. So the filler just became more rage inducing the more they did it because it ended with nothing substantial or worthy of revisiting. But the Tomoe stuff is far more interesting. I was way more engaged, darker than I think Lupin's been in a while. Probably the mm-hmm. darkest it's been ever, honestly, with a lot of the subject matter with, you know, obviously in past episodes with, you know, school shootings and, uh, you know, essentially child abuse to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think the darkest we ever had was a woman called Fujiko Mine in touching on very heavy subject matter. Or even and with um, thought, Ami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. Because um, the child just, pornography thing was but, but, but there's one yeah. story. It was brushed mm-hmm. upon, but yeah, no, that's you well, have a yeah, point. it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, even I kind of forget because the show just kind of drops it as soon as they yeah. mention it. It's like, mm-hmm. mm. and also there's the whole contradiction of, you know, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> I can get it too. But yeah, the point being is that this is probably the darkest the show has touched on since Women Call Fujiko Mine as a whole. You know, a subject here and there, part five, part five, still a very lighthearted show at the end of the day. And part six, I liked it. I'm, I'm going to agree with Lauren. I kind of wish the Tomoe stuff was the whole season. It would have mm-hmm. made part six a way better uh, series. And it, part one just really drops it down in quality, in my opinion. And there are ups, there are downs, there's pros and cons, but I'm overall satisfied with this story. I will revisit that story in the future. And I have some things to say in my book about that <laughs> first half. Oh, do I? <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I guess that's me, really. <laughs> All righty. So, Natalie, passing the same question off to you. Um, well, the finale of this, like I was telling um, Guillaume, is that there's two themes that it has. One, it's a very thriller sort of theme. And two, um, it's formulaic because it's really about family. And I'm a sucker for found family stories. I guess this is why I love Lupin and also why my trash is um, the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, I, I will I will defend that series to death. I don't give a shit um, <laughs> about, what pe- about what the haters say. But um, yeah, I'm probably on the same boat with everybody that like the first half of part six was disappointing. And again, I I've already mentioned my, my grievances with the first half because um, as a literary nerd, I was really like, and, and as a Maurice LeBlanc um, fangirl, I was very much like, Oh my God. Yes. Lupin versus Sherlock Holmes. And then we got the poo poo on the platter that we got. Um, <laughs> But as for this, and yes, I've made jokes here and there that I felt that TMS stole my fanfic. They didn't. And I'm, <laughs> I guess I don't have to open any lawsuits now. But um, <laughs> the the interesting thing for me, especially what Aficionados Chris brought up, is that is that darkness. This is back to what I was talking about, the two themes. That, that very darker, thrillery feel that we haven't gone in with Lupin in quite a while or if, if at all ever. And back to the formula, the formula, the formulaic ending, which is the family. Um, it, you know, it did become a little bit predictable, but why, why do I love it so much? Because that's at the core, what this franchise is about, what, what these characters are about. They're just, 
these people that go around the world and do shenanigans and they have a sense of found family. And I, I just love how that ended. And I could put it like, I could compare it to other similar endings as in like the part fives ending or even part fours. But I feel like as formulaic as it is, it, it's, it's got its own take on it. And also you get this interesting ending of like finding out that Ari lives, which I was thankful for because yay, yada confirm, yada girlfriend. And also, (laughs) and also just like it opens the possibility of even these, these women to have other storylines. I don't think they will ever come back because we know how um, women of the week for Lupin almost always never come back, but it does open that possibility, especially for um, Mercedes and, as a token Latina here, I hope I do hope they bring her back. <laughs> but yeah, this series was about family, family, family. 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 <laughs> You're gonna start a chant in this chat. No, it's just I'm so happy that that tweet now has 103 likes and going. So <laughs> leave me yeah, alone. Sure. This is doing numbers. <laughs> <sighs> Alrighty, so. Amazing Chris Godby, Green Jacket Chris. How you feeling about it? Like the episode or the series as a whole? Both. Ah, I Los see. dos. That was four. Right. <laughs> Are you talking dirty? Um. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I, I felt this finale was as about as good of an episode as I could expect. You know, with the way that the story was heading, it. I was like, it was neat. I. I don't know. Like, sorry, I just I just got back from like a four day vacation. My brain's a little scrambled, <laughs> much like someone it's okay. who dies. Take your time. <laughs> you went SpongeBob route. <laughs> Are you Squidward? It's okay. Take your time. <laughs> Get used to that. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, you know I I did enjoy the bit of a darker tone, uh, and I also agree that I pretty much saw every single twist coming like even right down to to the uh, non-reveal because like i don't know personally i felt that that seemed like a cop-out like the writers had no idea what they could put into the box to you know justify tomoe going through all this trouble for it so they never bothered figuring it out so like that this was a bit of a cop-out and you know the ending was then chasing after the gang felt kind of tacked on but but aside from that i liked it um Again, the animation was kind of bothersome. Like, Lupin's fight against uh, Mattia could have been a whole lot cooler. I mean, it was cool as it was, but it would have been so much better if it was animated better. Which, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, the way the industry is, it's kind of hard to do really good quality animation nowadays, you know, without killing yourself. You know, because, you know, the animators are overworked as it is. But, you know, the whole bit with Lupin using shingles as a defensive mechanism, I thought that was that was pretty nifty. Uh, the traps inside the mansion that felt kind of monkey punchish, monkey punch ish to me, which I appreciated. It's also kind of amused by the fact that being shot in the chest is apparently not an emergency. That's why I laugh at the thought. Of, are you hurt? And he's st- standing there, just like gunshot in his chest. Like that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, just a, it's just a flesh wound. I've seen worse. It's a flesh wound. <laughs> like, like I, th- I think Jane was like, "You're going to bleed out, man." 
Like, bro. So literally bleeding out on the Spanish tile roof. Going, mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah. we're gonna do this though. I'm fine. <laughs> and then, I mean, like you know, like even with Tunnel, she got ch- she got shot in the chest, and she was still okay to you know talk for a bit. Yeah, like, <laughs> she kind of like dead right opera. about now. I think. <laughs> It, it, it's like it's an opera, you know, you, you kill somebody, you got to give them at least 15 minutes to sing that last song to explain <laughs> why they're dying. <laughs> Les Mis, ringing. <laughs> okay, you know what? Now that you put it that way, I'm more okay with it. <laughs> um, this is why I love operas. <laughs> but yeah, you know, again, the darker themes, like, you know, Matias' whole thing, it was, it was terrifying, which is really cool to see. Especially because, like I said, you know, a few weeks ago, when we first saw her, they were setting her up to be another, you know, Clarice type character, you know, another young, innocent damsel in distress, and she turns out to be, you know, the subject of that one talking head song, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, you have such a way with words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Ladies. And. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, like that. I, I appreciate that. As for the series as a whole, it I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> why are you? Why are you questioning it? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> just, I just want to say for the for the audience at home because they can't see any of this. What I love is that every time Chris is thinking, he has like a Shakespearean pose. Alas, <laughs> for your like he's holding a skull. You just got to picture it. I want to here. Someone needs to take a photo of it and make it a new meme. That's all I can say. <laughs> I think I've got plastic skull around here somewhere. <laughs> I know I have one. It's on my goth shelf, and it's actually a real skull. Of course skull, you but... do. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sorry that the, that the token goth chick in the whole circle has a skull on her shelf. Oh, <laughs> what else do you have? Red candles? No. Red <laughs> candles? <laughs> But you do have, have candles. I have saint candles because I'm Catholic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I got the color wrong. I actually make candles, by the way. But go ahead, Chris. <laughs> no. Go ahead. What for your seances? Did, did I like part six? Did I like part six? He's actually asking the magic ball here for context, folks. That's, good way, that's a good way to go about it. It is decidedly so. Okay, so I really like part six. Try asking again. Don't count on it. I, mean, I was really expecting reply hazy, try again later. But. <laughs> I think it's one of those things. Like, I'm going to ask myself, like, you know, maybe if you went down the road, like, part six, I liked it. Like, some become more and more questioning until I revisit it. Like, <laughs> yeah, there were things I really liked about it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a lot less disjointed than, than part five was. Uh, I thought I thought the tone was handled somewhat better. <laughs> okay, maybe not a lot less disjointed, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, I mean, dog I mean, cocking head unanimous. Part five just... had the superior pacing. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, until I agree the ending. With, I re- no, I agree with that actually. Well, we we don't. <laughs> How many times do we have to bring up that shitty resolution? That goes without saying. Until my soul <laughs> rests, which is never. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, anime Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
the filler pacing is better, at least. I agree. Oh, yes. Oh, 100%. Okay. Finish your thoughts, Chris. We don't talk about Enzo. No, we don't. <laughs> Enzo, oh, oh, no. Okay. So, uh, I think my, I think the filler was my favorite part of part five, but it was also my favorite part of part six. I feel like the filler in part six was stronger overall. Wow, this really helps. <laughs> we might have to transition to video podcast just to get this story across yes, at some point. I'm down. <laughs> oh, that's poor oh eight God. ball. I knew him very well. <laughs> oh God. I feel like I feel like my opinion on this on part six has kind of gone off the rails now. <laughs> You're asking a magic eight ball about your opinion. Yes, I think it has. Does Chris have a point? (laughs) 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 I was asking about myself, all right? (laughs) You sure? Are you sure about that? I'm not sure about that. It's the side of the snow. (laughs) Okay, well... If that's wow. settled, Drew. Like, all right. I liked it. I'm kind of mixed on it overall. Uh, I agree with you guys. The second half is much better than the first. The whole uh, Lupin versus Home things felt very much like wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really, and I agree with what, uh, you know, uh, Green Jacket, or sorry, Red Jacket Chris said uh, last time <laughs> you he was on. trade jackets with me? <laughs> Look, I'm actually wearing a red shirt, all right? And part two is my favorite. <laughs> But anyway, I, I agree with what Chris said last time about how the first half would have been better if it was like an anthology series with like each episode, you know, maybe done by a different director or writer and, you know, themed around mm-hmm. a different, you know, book. That would have been a whole lot cooler than what we got. And so, again, like the first half, lots of missed opportunity. The filler was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I really liked the more like thriller elements and, you know, uh, intrigue and mystery and uh, the second half a lot more. Uh, the darker themes were neat, although I do feel like as an exploration of the character of Lupin the Third, it, it's it's all right. It's you know nothing mind blowing, nothing uh, you know truly special. So yeah, so I guess it's sort of it's sort of like Part Five, but done slightly better. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> Man, I was making so much sense something now, wasn't I? <laughs> I it's like to imagine right. he has like a green jacket and a red jacket on his shoulder representing like good and evil. <laughs> <laughs> you liked part five. Well, no, not really. <laughs> but, but, who, but who's the good and who's the evil? Yes. Well, green, because Cagliostro is the closest I could associate with good, I guess. Because yeah, let's true. be honest, red's but a more then, chaotic color. It is. To yeah. be fair, is. green jacket was also responsible for uh, electrocuting and burning people alive. Mm. This is okay. Aware. Oh, okay, but they were gangsters. He also stuck his hand to a dead gangster's body to retrieve a diamond, but I digress. He's also I mean, fished I mean, through baby feces to get a diamond, okay? Like, what? We Sir, did what not talk thoughts? about Twilight of the Breeze! <laughs> or Princess of the Breeze, whatever. Yes. Bringing up all the greatest hits tonight. Combining two bad ones. <laughs> Secrets of the Breeze. I really enjoyed the secret of the uh, Princess Gemini myself. but yeah overall liked it mixed you know not my favorite that's still part two uh better than five overall somewhat all right drew you can speak while i try to get my foot out of my mouth all right (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so for me, that's starting with the finale episode in and of itself, I was, and again, it's a different writer handling it, but I was dreading the finale just because I was so very badly burned by the uh, finale of the uh, first arc in this series, which was a whole lot of exposition and nothing. And I was kind of worried. But again, this was just me personally. I got a little worried with the... uh, the tone a little bit like I, I don't mind Lupin getting dark. I actually quite enjoy it, especially I, I think overall in, overall in part six, it was handled fine. But that one specific episode where it teetered into the territory of like graphically showing a high school shooting, I, I, I kind of like end up with the question of like this. This is Lupin the third. What are we doing here exactly? Like, do we need to be showing this in like graphic detail is this exact, like, you know, detail necessary? But we kind of moved away from that quickly, which is an issue I have in and of itself, but it's fine. If it was one episode, it's good. Um, I don't know. I know this was formulaic, and I know it was pretty predictable, but it just, I don't know. It made me really happy. Like, the resolution of, again, this this half of part six was very good with setups and payoffs, which is something the first half had absolutely none of whatsoever except you have to like look at the frame for half a second to catch it which for example like the last two episodes when Lupin hears the poem there's these specific lines of dialogue where you know Jigen gets right in his ear and says you know like you know I'll always be your partner like you remember that right and and Goemon stands in front of him and says you know look look me in the eyes Fujiko says I'm the only woman who could ever claim you and you realize that, like, in his consciousness, like, the headspace that Tomoe is talking to him in, you see these little totems of, like, of the Zantetskin sitting on the chair, Jigen's hat on the rack. And then, like, as they were saying that to him, like, they appeared in his consciousness to be, like, you know, snap out of it, man. You're like, you know, you're better than this. And going on, you know, saying, you know, something to the effect of seeing you trip. I'm tripping over myself trying to recall the dialogue, but you get the point. <laughs> He basically said, if you trip, you're a little bitch, and I know you're not a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to say, it felt like, I don't have any other way to describe it other than it felt like a very Kingdom Hearts moment of Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) (laughs) She's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, no, she she is correct. (laughs) Although I will have to say in that case... This look into Lupin's heart was a whole lot different than it was in Mystery of Mamo. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I literally watched that yesterday. <laughs> so good, man. So good. Well, I watched it with the Toho dub, which was Oh, Lord. Oh, yes. Have you ever seen the Toho dub? I have. I have. I've seen I have. good parts of it. Am I crazy? Or no. does Goyamon in that dub sound like Harold Raymond? Oh, he sounds just he like totally him. totally sounds weird. like Harold Raymond. <laughs> good. Okay, I'm not insane. No. You you brought that up yesterday, and I was like, I, I thought I was the only one. Holy shit! <laughs> and it kind of since that's the, literally the first English dub for Lupin ever. Theoretically, like you think about it, because of how we we all love Lex Lang as Goyamon, who does a very sort of deadpan, mm-hmm. you know, a very low flat tone with Goyamon. It's almost like they knew where the character was going to go in the English language by having an actor who did it in a Ramus as deadpan delivery. <laughs> Which only begs the question how some of the dialogue in this series is going to be translated with Lex playing that character. Mm. Mm. like you know, Lauren and I were talking about this and maybe you guys will agree. Fujiko and Goyamon are very well written this time around. Mm-hmm. Like, probably the best they've yes. been written in a very long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
especially Fujiko. I, I was mm-hmm. really impressed. Mm-hmm. Fujiko's, mm-hmm. yeah. Fujiko got an A plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like the writers of this series in both halves, you know, really knew how to handle her. I was, mm-hmm. I was really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm piggybacking off my friend Lucy, who talked with us um, when we did the Mudo episode. Just how differently written now. Um, most of the characters are, you know, like. Zenigata being underutilized, unfortunately, but also like um, Goemon very much being for like found family, very much like Ohana means family sort of thing. Jigen <laughs> is really stepping away from the Onegarai, you know, the misogynistic cowboy of the 70s uh, trope. Like the writers have just gotten so much better. And um, at least whomever is writing for the characters right now, um, just completely delve away from a lot of like, I don't want to say necessarily problematic um, interpretations of the characters, but it very much feels like the characters have grown up and matured. Took them 50 mm-hmm. years, but... <laughs> that's Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. That's why I'm like, it's interesting that it was kind of a taste of it in part five was seeing, you know, how the group approached, you know, their dynamics and going like, mm-hmm. you know, what's got to change or what has changed. And it doesn't seem like much, but then you realize it, it was setting the the groundwork for part six to approach that and saying, what do they mean to each other? And then in saying how much they have changed mm-hmm. and the history they have and the, how much they as characters individually have changed and how much they have affected each other in the process. That's new ground considering, again, the history of these characters is they are known for certain things that they do. Like we, Jigen has his tropes. Goemon has his tropes. Fujiko has her tropes. Lupin has his tropes. This is the first time I'm seeing them really delve into something far more like they're looking back on like that was us then. Look at us now. Mm-hmm. As in, there has been change, and I think again, I agree. Fujiko has been the best written. I mean, I think in terms of like the 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 series installments, like of the parts, especially is I think. Part six has handled her the best. I see her as she has matured and so has Lupin in a lot of ways. And especially with their relationship and how that has melded into something more of a mature bond. And especially towards the end when all of that is put on the line, when Fujiko has to be the one to try and win him back over Mm -hmm. when his Mm -hmm. headspace is wrong, you know, and that puts into perspective like how lost he was Mm -hmm. at that point when he was even like no response to her trying to kiss him and like tell him, you know, to get him back to the reality going goodbye. And he just walks past her. I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. I mean, we had a hint of that in part five, but part six really leaned into it. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Well, it's like I told um, our friends yesterday that like part five tried to, um, establish or understand the dynamics part six executed it better mm-hmm. so yeah. thank you for that part six <laughs> that, that, that was one element I um, I really appreciate about this finale because like, like I was mentioning earlier yes it's it, it was formulaic and predictable but it was just it, uh, part five did the whole aspect of you know each of the gang members asking you know what what am I to you you know this whole thing and I thought that it was all right. It was kind of off to the side. It was never really focused. I, I think the most successful uh, use of that was between Lupin and Fujiko in part five, because that's where it actually felt kind of developed. It had that beautiful resolution. 
with you know him unmasking everything that was nice but with part six i felt it with everyone uh, for that i think it was more successful that way and especially the uh I don't know, just as Lauren said, how much their relationship has matured to the fact that there was that episode uh, 22 when Lupin just leaves that note that I'm going, you know, to, what was the country called? I forgot what the country called. With, Revenland. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, Revenland. Revenland. Um, <laughs> immediately, Goemon and Jean are like, okay, we're going. I'm like, that's it. It wasn't like that kind of back and forth. They're like, oh, I guess we're going to go help him. I guess we're going to go save his ass. They're like, no, no, our friend's going there. We're going to go back him up. Oh, my God. And especially in the last episode when uh, Matea gives that poem to Lupin and you've got Zinigata and Goemon and Jigen like genuinely worried and concerned and trying to save like this dude's life. It, 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 it is a really nice progression. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole aspect of Tomoe actually being his mother, I'm kind of, yeah, and I understand, Chris, why you think it's a cop-out, like the way it was handled. But honestly, for me, I, I, I kind of love that he threw the box in the fire because whether Tomoe is his mother or not, we I don't I, I don't need to we know don't that. Care. And that. That's my favorite line of dialogue where he says, you know, that would tie me down. And that feels kind of like a meta thing for me because I, I don't want in the mainline franchise... Not a strict continuity, but I don't need backstory that is super explicit. I, I, I like them to remain rounded characters, but at the end of the day, they're still archetypes. It's still the mm-hmm. Lupin gang. You can put them in any situation. I, I, I don't need to know if Tomoe is actually his mother. And, and I love how like ambiguous it is, even though there's that moment where like he, he opens the box, looks at it, and like he, he has that flashback to in his headspace... Well, not in his headspace, like previously when she said, you know, I love you, he said, I love you back. And he mentioned the fact that, you know, that goes without saying, I'm kind of rambling here, but just like that look on his face when he opens, it could mean anything. It could be mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you, you can imagine it to be anything. It, it could be a photo of him, his father and Tomoe. It could be a photo of him, his father and someone else. It could be my theory like the last episode and it could be the broken condom. No, I'm no, still sticking no, by that. no, no, disgusting. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be literally, it could be I, nothing. I did see a comic that made fun of the whole thing of what he found in the box. And it was literally a note that just said, dear Lupin, your mother's dead. Love. Yeah, grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that too. <laughs> Maybe it's a statue of a uh, Falcon from Malta. I said that last week. Never mind. No, I still think it's embarrassing photos from Lupin at the Christmas party. <laughs> We're at two for two for SpongeBob references, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I make SpongeBob references all the time at work, and I work mostly with millennials. We're so millennials. That's all we know how to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but before I get to my thoughts on part six as a whole, like the, just some last little thoughts I had about the finale. I, I loved because tonight I watched um, all of the main episodes of the arc. I watched, you know, episodes. Um, 13, 14, you know, the ones like the, the one-offs are connected. We figured out, but you know, the main ones sh- written by uh, Shigeru Morikoshi, Morikoshi and like watching it as one whole little chunk. It's so perfect. The way like everything is set up, everything falls into place pretty nicely. And like the, the, even in the, uh, the first episode, there's the whole aspect of uh, Lupin telling Jigen and Goemon, you know, the, the things that Tomoe kind of instruct him to do. And one was, you know, when deceiving someone always have not two, but three measures and never let your guard down, which I found to be very fascinating that Tomoe lets her guard down while mm-hmm. getting like a little too, you know, 
evil villain monologuing, Lupin just fucking shoots her. And she starts monologuing. If, <laughs> if you're going to shoot, shoot, don't talk. I mean, and like, that was, and again, I won't be mean-spirited, but that was just a nice moment, considering how Enzo was such a fucking dickhead and got away with it and got a nice little hopeful mm-hmm. ending. It was nice to have, like, no, this old lady has ruined so many lives, like, completely taking everyone's autonomy away from them, like, caused a school shooting. She needs to die. It's like yeah. Leonardo da Vinci at the end of part four. This guy's a dickhead. He needs to die. It was nice. It's no like, relation to the part one dickheads, but he's a dickhead. You wouldn't he, shoot an old lady with glasses, would you? <laughs> well, you know, jokes aside, the fact, I think the, the fact that the thing that was very chilling about Tomoe and, and you, and you hit the nail right on the head, Drew, about the whole, like, she fucked, you know, she completely took the autonomy of all these young women away mm-hmm. to the point where you saw how, how emotionally crux Matea was over it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, the fact that she looks at Lupin and says, I don't care, I'll find other women and I'll work at this 10, 20, 30 times harder to get you back. Like, I don't care who I have to fuck over to do this. Mm-hmm. Bitch needed to be knocked down a peg. Bitch needed to be taken <laughs> out. I just realized I had that moment of remembering what that reminded me of was, I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. <laughs> <laughs> But also, like, Matea fucking going Susan Atkins on Tomoy's remains. Like, I'm sorry to use that explicit of a reference, but it's like, honey, it's okay. She's already dead. You can stop. <laughs> hey, 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 we don't have to worry about yeah. it. Lupin gave her a proper Jedi burial. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So for, for part six overall, for me, I'd say it's a... It's a solid mid-tier Lupin series. It would be higher up. Again, I I don't want to criticize the animators because it was made during COVID. Telecom's not producing it. There's there's a lot of, like, you know, surrounding circumstances. But, and not, like, in a way that's too detrimental. But compared to parts four and five, it's not as visually, you know, captivating as they are. But, you know, again, circumstances surrounding it. And uh, the first half of part six, which the only thing that exists in the first half, as far as I'm concerned, is Killers in the Diner and Darwin's Bird, because at least they made me think. And I'm like, wow, that was fascinating and different. And actually, like, I thought about it after it happened, which is more than I can say for the Sherlock Holmes arc. Like, I, I, okay, yeah. what, about Black, what about Black Lizard Fujiko? Black Lizard Fujiko also, yes, but I also don't like, I don't like how that arc ended. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, fair it, enough. It, but... it was, <laughs> It's basically just Looplander, and that's it. The end. It, Next. It, it, it was so aimless. And, of course, it had the theme of literary stuff. But when you have the setup of the Sherlock and the Raven and Lupin, it sounds like something that should be so intricate and fascinating. Like, the Raven should have been terrifying, or at least, you know, somewhat interesting. But we have two episodes, and then, what was it, four one-offs, one one-off being a two-parter, so like you, like your your attention zeroed in on this new two-parter story, and then when that ended, it went to uh, Lauren, your favorite episode, episode you know seven, um, which was don't, literally don't nothing. It was nothing but <laughs> exposition, Yada being adorable, and Zinagata disrespect. Which that's when like my goodwill for part six kind of like it was kind of up and down because. Sherlock arc, you know, like, we're getting interesting. We're, we're getting interesting. The, the, the train episode was fun. Killers in the Diner, that was something. Um, the two-parter back in time thing. And, like, and then after that, it was, what, three one-offs 
and then the resolution. And by that point, I just didn't give a shit about it. It is yeah. one of the most disappointing things I've seen in the Lupin uh, series since I last watched Twilight Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> don't turn this into a twilight gemini podcast too. you know because we all know he's got feelings hey i do too i wrote them in an hour <laughs> when true. we review twilight gemini chris you are going to be on an episode yes. me and you are going to have a field day with it um let's do uh, this that's like the only positive you can give twilight gemini is it gives us material to yell about <laughs> and you know what? Also boobs. Somewhat. <laughs> some, I can find <laughs> boobs of other ways, Chris. There are ways. Come on, man. Look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, glass half full kind of, or well, cup half full in this case. <laughs> really? Is your magic eight ball half full? Is that where this analogy is going? <laughs> Don't ask the eight ball. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Reply, hates you try again. Oh boy, I'll I'll have that thing implanted in your head, so you have to do this to get a thought going. <laughs> you know what? Um, uh, speaking of uh, you mentioning that the, the the most positive thing you can say about Twilight Gemini is you know mm-hmm. saying mean things about it. Yes, that was. <laughs> That's the most damning thing I think I can say about the Sherlock arc is that the only thing I looked forward to was recording the conversation about it and not as much watching. <laughs> it's like, I'm looking forward to talking yeah. about it as much as yeah. didn't do much for me. Now, all of my grievances aside, I think the second half, I think the one-offs could have been paced better. I think that's its biggest detriment is that the one-offs are just awkwardly placed. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. placed like they were in the Sherlock arc, which when they connect to the story, like that's better, but it's still stop and like you know stop and go and like it may have gotten a little bit too realistically grim and you know at least one episode it it, it it kind of threatened to take me out of it just a little bit because it's loop on the third it's a gangly little monkey thief I and mean, come on man do i don't want to see a high school kid shoot himself with some fucking head anyway yeah um honestly i think it is a, a really nicely written arc that that I don't know. I just found the whole found family aspect and just it, it ending on the note of, you know, Lupin being, I thought, what was the line of dialogue? It's my favorite line of dialogue from part six where he's like, you know, um, I, I don't need to find, this is paraphrasing, but I don't need to find my roots. Like the roots I need are the, are, you know, are the ones standing with me. That just made me happy. And mm-hmm. like, it can be formulaic. It can be this, but overall I liked it. And also, I, I've seen a complaint here and there. I don't want to call out anybody specifically because it wasn't one person specifically. Like how, you know, the whole Tomoe thing is super ridiculous. Like, you know, it's this big widespread plot. How could she possibly get, you know, all these people set up and the poem unlocks it in different languages. That's a bit ridiculous. That's why I watched Lupin the Third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like- I, I, and I mentioned it because like it, when Lupin the Third gets... For example, and it's part of a larger picture, but when I watched it in isolation, the episode with Hazel and the deep fakes and the, the stakes in that episode at the time were, oh no, this politician, her career is in jeopardy because of deep fakes. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Where's my giant brains and my rockets? Where's my <laughs> nano machines turning into a giant warlord? And you know what? Tomoe, this, this, as I mentioned in the opening statement, this sociopathic helicopter parent putting that this widespread like plan to unlock memories in Lupin. That's some bonkers shit. I loved it. It made me happy and it had a nice message at the end of it. So overall 
I like part six. It it, it kind of pales in comparison to the first four parts in Woman Called Fujikomune, but it it doesn't have to be, you know, like you don't always have to. Well, I say that. I don't know. I liked it overall. I, I've had my qualms with it, but it ended on such a good note, and the last start gave me such good will for it. I, I can forgive Sherlock fucking Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's my thoughts wrapped up on it. Sorry that rambled a bit there, but um, we have a another guest has joined us, returning guest, all around awesome person, Emma. And so <laughs> Emma has had a long arduous journey getting here today so it's nice it's nice to see you well i do have a new sweatshirt so ah, nice so wait we have emma and prancing of course yeah, yeah, yeah. the dog's with me so all right how are we doing this are we doing like overall part six reaction is that what's going on uh yeah so, so the question i asked everyone beforehand was how did you feel about this episode and part six as, as a whole so so i literally just finished the episode about like 10 minutes ago Oh, nice. Fresh thoughts. <laughs> so I was uh, out of town, so I just caught it when I got back home. Um, I I liked it a lot. Um, I've talked to you, Drew, just like I, I've thought more because you were just talking about part six. So I have more thoughts on that rather than the episode itself, which mm-hmm. I'm sorry you just mentioned fresh thoughts and they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. <laughs> the fresh thoughts are like rotten. <laughs> so like... My thoughts on part six is I've really, really enjoyed it, even with like the uh, animation deficits, which have been explained to me more, which I appreciate because I didn't study animation. I don't know what that like, is going on. <laughs> I was like, ooh, um, So taking that out of the equation, I really, and of course the Sherlock art is just like, but i did think as i was putting my bowl of soup away when i finished this episode i was like well that resolved itself so much better in part five (laughs) 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 i said that out loud i was like well that was a lot more satisfying than part five (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed part five but like just because of this last arc that like put part six over it for me because it was, there wasn't like an Enzo thing going on and we don't need to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Um, not today, so, Satan. Yeah, exactly. Not today. Enzo. <laughs> so I thought because of that, I wouldn't even put it above like mid tier. I think like the main things that hurt it are a, the Sherlock arc, be like the animation woes which I mean that is out of control with what has been going on I think they did a pretty decent job with what was given to them and C uh what was C thought Bob hi and I don't have notes I feel very well we have a magic eight ball do you want to use that (laughs) oh lord (laughs) (laughs) um what I a Strong lack of Zenigata, too. Mm. Yes. But when he was even a Zenigata stan. <laughs> when he was there, it was great. And I really like that Yato was back, thank God. And I hope that he keeps coming back uh, if they keep continuing uh, the story, which it almost kind of seemed like 
it was left on a bit of a cliffhanger, but I don't know. I'm hoping they deliver on that because compared to what they did with part five, trying to segue into part six with how they did Albert so dirty. So dirty. Never forgive me for that. I knew that was going to come up. I, mm, how dare you? You guys were just talking about that and like one of the servers too. It was like, wish they had used Albert over, um, Fucking petite prince looking motherfucker. (laughs) Give everyone in Moriarty's lines to Albert and it would have been so meaningful and interesting and fascinating. Right. It would have made so much more sense. And it's like, and actually not have Albert have a gun pointed at him. (laughs) 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 Hashtag save Albert. (laughs) For five minutes. Could you not point a gun at him for five minutes? (laughs) Uh, I, I'm basically, I'm basically like um, Marlon Brando in The Godfather with Albert right, right now. Like, look how they, look how they fucking massacred my boy. Like, <laughs> but part six, I just really liked a lot of the themes to it. I don't think I have to get in so much on how much I am just a slut for the found family trope. <laughs> High five slut. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it is my favorite trope. Every single of like series that I like in my top 10, there is like found family going on. And I'm like, I love you must love One Piece then. <laughs> okay. So I have not watched an episode of One Piece and I intend on keeping it that way. But I have been told that a number of times. It's like, hey, you really like this trope. You'd like this. I'm like, I'm not watching that gay pirate anime. I already have one gay pirate anime. So wait, Emma. Emma, I have to ask, as one of my bestest friends, please tell me you love Fast and Furious, because then we could be even better Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> my girl! That's what this, like, whole, like, especially this arc really drove home for me, and I was like, yes! And I really, like, I don't know, I liked part five's exploration of the relationships and, like, the questioning part, and I think that's a normal thing that happens with, like, close relationships. Part six really just had them like really well established, and I loved all the interactions that they had. Every single like when they were like cook dinner and stuff, especially like this past episode with talking about Lupin losing at like cards all the time because he's overthinking, and just like those little nuances um, really enjoyed. Obviously, I've said it before on the podcast. I just think Fujiko has been extremely well written this entire part. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably like one of the strongest things for me. Maybe the other characters kind of like weren't utilized as much as like we would hoped, but at least Fujiko was extremely, extremely well written. So mm-hmm. I loved every single time I saw her. And obviously, like I cosplay Fujiko, so she's really close to my heart. But she's not like my. So like I've said before, she's not my favorite. Zeniga is my favorite, but I was very appreciative that they did my girl justice yeah so i hope that gets it like i like all my thoughts i tried to have like a coherent string (laughs) (laughs) even if it were coherent it's fine it's part six it's not coherent anyway either way none of either way none of us were that coherent but it's okay that's why we're friends (laughs) i did like uh like because i know like we mentioned the one-offs too I did like how the second arc actually did tie them together. So mm-hmm. it didn't feel like, I was like, oh, okay. And then we don't get need to get into how much I love Darwin's bird. So, because I've talked about it before. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. There, I, I, 
I love that. I love that episode so much. Amen, huh? Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I think those should be most of my thoughts. But. All right. Nice. You know what? I, I have an interesting idea moving forward. I have a question that I'm going to ask each of you. I'm going to start off with our, our hosts, uh, with our hosts, our guests again. Uh, Lauren, mm-hmm. what would you like to see the next Lupin series be? Like, you know, what, 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 what would you like to see moving forward as far as the TV series go? Uh, more proper Zenigata ref. I, I feel like that goes without saying. We didn't get enough of yes, it this season. Queen Slay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked seeing having Yada take the wheel for a little bit in part six. So I would like to see more of their dynamic together, which would be really nice because Prison of the Past was a really good example of what their dynamic could be, even as he is in like rookie status and still learning. This showed he's still learning, but a little more polished. He's learned a little bit. And, uh, but I really, like, that's for sure was lacking so, so greatly in part six. And uh, I appreciated the morsels we did get that were good of those little moments. And I do mean moments. The, and then we have Ariana episode, which was good. And, and seeing him interact with Ariana was really great. But for sure, that's my number one. Uh, I, I would like to see them fulfill also, if possible whatever form they do it for is uh, fulfilling on Mercedes or any of the one-off girls. However, they tie into that because each of them were developed enough that you wanted to know more about them. <laughs> and I would love to see more of that followed up on. I feel like we've with part six, having touched on found family, I like to see them flesh out on that a little bit more as well, seeing where they can go with it. But I think they handled it really well here, especially towards the end. So basically my top two would be, I guess ICPO ref rep, I guess you could say, and uh, and uh, and more of the girls I would like to see because I before this we did we would get one off girls and I'd like the first time we ever had one that was consistently through every episode was like Rebecca and mm-hmm. I loved Rebecca and so that was the first signal of like hey maybe we could have that as a running trend going forward having girls come back like that and they're well developed so. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. <laughs> nice. So, Red Jacket Chris, how about you? What would you like to see moving forward? Uh, coherency and sticking to an idea. <laughs> Agreed. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's it's been said a million times, a lot of the time by me every time I'm on here, but to me, the, the, the greatest sin this Part 6 committed was just having ideas and not seeing them to their fullest in some, and then other ideas that are completely thought up and you know have a have a complete arc and told that way either go with a consistent narrative like you did with part four or have a briskly paced narrative filler narrative filler like you did with part five or just nick's having a narrative and just go to several one-offs like part two having Mm -hmm. no overarching anything stick to something don't try to have your cake and eat it too that didn't work the biggest problem with part six is its inconsistency of, well, we want to do this in part one and we want to do this in part two. No, stick to one of these things. Don't try to do both of them because you're going to end up with half a half baked idea. And that's all it is. So part seven, do something different. Honestly, do an anthology like I proposed part six should have been. 
because I liked the ideas in the first half of part six with the whole literary stuff. And we all know how disappointed that is and how that fucking transpired. But there's so much room with that idea. I don't personally like Oshi's shorts, but I would have liked them more if the season surrounding them, you know, supported them better. If every episode was a different writer and artist's mm-hmm. vision and ideas of what these characters are and what they could represent to them. Lupin, the brilliance of him is that you can put him in almost any situation. He's adaptable. Experiment with that, but stick to that. Don't get cold feet and be like, oh, we need to do a narrative. No, you don't need to do a narrative. The Sherlock thing should have been a special. The one-off should have been an anthology. The Tomoe thing, honestly, should have been part six all on its own. Mm -hmm. That was far more interesting. That was far more well-developed. So, yeah, I'd say that's really the only thing. Just have consistency, have an idea, and stick to it. And don't don't be afraid to try new things. It's 50 years. I'm okay with innovation and experimentation, but stick to it. Ah, uh, man. The, the, the audience can't see me, but I'm just sitting here like like rigorously just nodding my head like, Dude, <laughs> God damn it. Thanks. <laughs> I got to say it so you don't have to get all the pitchforks thrown at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Natalie, they'll just burn mm-hmm. my book. <laughs> better not. Please don't. A lot of hard work went into that. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't actually. <laughs> the Lord's like, don't you fucking dare! I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe don't. <laughs> um, okay, so you guys, you guys ever watch Mel Brooks's History of the World Part One and how um, the ideas for the sequel that we're still waiting for? One of the ideas was. <laughs> One of the ideas was Jews in space. <laughs> yes. This yes. is just me joking, but I know that like Lupin the Eighth was Lupin in space. Do you want space. to put Lupin in space? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Hey, he's been once. But I'm not, ag- I'm not against that is the thing. I'm I don't not either. Ridiculous. Yeah, see, right on Emma. <laughs> but like Lupin the Eighth, as silly as it was, it was kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish they, I want, I wish. Yeah, I, I... Emma's just pointing to her um, Captain Harlock poster. Galaxy Express. Yeah, Galaxy yeah. Express. Space train. Yeah. Yeah. I have astigmatism. Leave me alone. Um. <laughs> Captain Harlock's looking awfully effeminate and blonde today. <laughs> and, anyways, uh, jokes aside, because, yeah, that could work. What I do want story-wise, honestly, is um, it's like we... You know, I'm piggybacking off aficionados, Chris, of this whole, like, (laughs) stick to it. Don't fucking just, like, you know, don't bullshit it, please. And I say this because, like, you know, for me, Lupin came to me in my life during my formative years. And during my formative years, it was part two. It was one-off after one-off after one-off with no set continuity. Maybe a callback here and there, but no setback continuity. As a writer, I do not mind Lupin having an overarching storyline but make it work like you did in part five. Part six's approach with what I now like to call as the desperate housewives or Mark Cherry formula of like, you have a set mystery. We're going to explain the mystery as the episodes progress. But you know what? Screw that. Let's have fun with the characters. No. God damn it. Like, even even me with ADHD who loves Lupin, I couldn't keep my focus on that for way too long. So it's like, 
I just want more of a consistent narrative. You could do any, again, I'm the proponent of you could do anything with Lupin provided you have the cast. Hell, do something like Lupin invades North America and just have him fuck around in Canada, Mexico, and the US. Like, you know what, TMS? Are you looking for writers? Because I write fan fiction. <laughs> I write pretty, not to toot my own damn horn, but I write a good overarching storyline. Please hire me. <laughs> <laughs> This is what this whole thing is going to be. The swan. It's like, please hire us. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'd rather just host panels. I don't need to be hired by TMS. Yeah. No, no, but this, my thing is, you know, we talked about with Lucy over how like fan fiction is wish fulfillment. And I think my biggest wish fulfillment with Lupin is this really more queer representation more of the found family trope. It's not that we don't have enough of it. We could do more with it. And just, you know, like if you're going to do character development, don't make it so, um, Oh, what's the word? Like, don't make it so forced. Like don't force it upon us. Just in the words in the wise words of Tim Gunn, make it work (laughs) (laughs) there. That's my two cents. Also Lupin in space. Alrighty. So, Green Jacket Chris, how about you? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, folks, uh, Green Jacket Chris has officially whipped out a skull and is now fully Shakespearean. Work. <laughs> well, you know, you know, programmers have have a rubber duck to talk to. I've got I've got this bonehead. Anyway. <laughs> Mom, no, please. Okay, 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 look, you guys know me. Like, I want something funny. I want silly. I want, I want to, you know, like ramp up the comedy and the cartooniness and all that. You know, less anime nonsense. (laughs) Which I realize is a weird thing to say for an anime series, but you guys know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I want a sandwich without the bread. Yes, please. So he wants a protein style. Okay, we got it. <laughs> nice meeting you here. But anyway, um, honestly, I feel like the uh, the shorts from Mankatsu would be a good uh, blueprint. Mm. So maybe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, you know, like yeah, if you're going to do like an overarching narrative and something more cohesive, you know, look you know towards how uh, Part Four did it. You know, five and six were you know were nice were you know were fun experiments, but you know maybe I think a, I think it may be about time for a back to basics approach. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Because like very you know, much so. A, a decade ago, we got the woman called Fujiko Mine, which was a shot in the arm that the franchise needed mm-hmm. desperately, and it was great, but it was very different. And you know, part four was was that kind of back to basics approach, and then you know with five and six, you know everything got turned on its head a bit. And again, I enjoyed them for the most part, but I don't know just. Focus less on being about something and just be fun. That's really all I want. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So, Emma, how about you? <laughs> so, I'm gonna like take pits of like everybody's, and then also add my own self like, uh, what is it? Uh, Wish fulfillment. So self serving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Or like self serving. <laughs> Going off of what Lauren said, uh, like the fleshing out, like the women more. Thank you for mentioning Rebecca. Uh, I think that she has been like the best example of that. Um, I know a lot of people 
don't feel the same way. I think she's starting to get a little bit more love, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that same thing about like a lot of the part six uh, women that were involved, I thought they were all pretty interesting in their own way. I thought a lot of like their designs were really cute or different. Uh, even Mercedes, so even though there was like a ton of her, she had like bright red pixie hair, which is very like, it's very noticeable. Um, so there's that idea, obviously the consistency for sure. I like, don't really mind like the jumpiness, but like uh, Chris said, it's just like, if you're going to have one thing, have it that way and, or do it like overarching, have it this way or do it episodic, like part two, just stick to that. Um, especially if somebody's just getting into the series, like on like part six or part five, it's like a little bit more of a jarring experience where it's like people who have been in this, it's like kind of not as a difficult of a, like a what viewing experience. Natalie, um, Lupin in space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with that. I was like, hell yeah. It's like, we all know how I feel about space trains. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that was just me trying to make a Mel Brooks joke. So <laughs> I was like, Hey, I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> and also like in North America, I always was like, there was like a TMS post on Twitter. It was like, which country would you like to like Lupin game go to next? I said, not country city. And I posted like a Detroit meme. <laughs> <laughs> it has shit in Detroit and Lupin's taking them. <laughs> I always say like picture like Jigen falling out like the steps, like that meme where like there's no staircase. There's no steps. <laughs> it just falls. And then just Jigen falls and he just goes, can't have shit in Detroit. <laughs> Hey, piggybacking off that, Emma, Emma knows I want them in my hometown of Oakland. Like, <laughs> like pre, pre-gentrified Oakland, just Jigen just bitching about everything. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't afford San Francisco. That's why they're in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, leading to Chris's point, funny. <laughs> yes. It's like, I think of like all these situations and I did this when I was like a write like more of a fan fiction writer even as like a 14 year old I was like what is the most ridiculous situations I can put this cast in and that was when I was writing like Helsing fan fiction oh lord oh yeah <laughs> I was doing like humor writing mm-hmm. with that so it's like the Lupin cast is a lot easier to do that with, but it still like has, there's so many options for humor that I just don't have, think have been explored upon. Um, So there's all those bits and pieces also self-serving. I already said Detroit. I think that'd be funny. (laughs) Or apparently try going over the fucking bridge to go into the upper peninsula of Michigan and get stuck for 12 hours. <laughs> it's like, man, I, or just get stuck in a snowbank. That's fun. <laughs> oh, how about this? Like for a first episode of part seven, they get, they get snowed in or better yet, like massive flood and they're stuck together in one building, just all five of them. And they just talk about like, Another, oh, yeah. Another yeah. trope. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, you need a bottle episode, man. It's one of the best episodes of part five is them just mm-hmm. stuck in the apartment. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the stuck in the elevator trope. 
Love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just have all five of them stuck and they talk about, man, let's talk about other shit. <laughs> Just like... you know, I mean, I know it's not exactly what you guys are saying, but for some reason, the idea of a the first episode of a series being a clip show is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, the, didn't Clerks do that in its second episode? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> And then, you know, oh. then the Sam and Max cartoon did a uh, the very first yeah. episode. It's like a previously on gag, mm-hmm. <laughs> or even huh. like um, Legend of Korra when they did it because of budget constraints, and it was just like a lot of uh, reused animation. <laughs> yeah, just start with that. They did that with Revolutionary Girl Utena, but it was also done on purpose <laughs> because it's very surreal, which I also like uh, yes. that too, but uh, also self-serving put my characters in there. Let's go. <laughs> you know, if your character is going in there, then we got to get the Lauren of ICPO in there. Just yes. <laughs> yes to make it fair. Put it, well then put in, put in my opera singer and put in my badass Lupin half sister, the she wolf of France, Geneviève Lupin. Like, that's my bitch right there. And you're wondering why TMS is taking none of our calls. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they know. Cause those they, Lupin in space people again. No. <laughs> Here's a secret. Because they know we do it better. Oh, damn. Controversial take. I'm not going to claim that. Yeah, that's controversial. <laughs> okay, I will. No, I, I will. I will. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on, like, the moment you mentioned it, I just have a mental image now of, like, you know, the frozen Michigan bridge thing. I'm just picturing, like, a frozen bridge and the Fiat going ever so slowly while Lupin 80 is, like, blaring. <laughs> oh, forget that through he's pushing the fiat yes goyamon is still on top of the roof freezing his ass off in the middle of a bridge is a grate so it's like it's a frightening bridge it's like freeze like there's nothing it's a free suspension bridge so you can feel it sway <laughs> so yeah it's gonna be great for them and it's better than Goemon chopping up the 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 Golden Gate Bridge every now and then. It's like there's a reason why we have a lot of highway problems in the Bay Area, people. <laughs> it's all because of a samurai. Yes. God damn it, Goemon again, costing taxpayers money. <laughs> Drew, what do you think you would want? All right, so I'm, I'm going to try not to echo too many thoughts, and I have a bunch of thoughts that are scrambled around. So I'm going to hone in on one thing and kind of let it go out from there. The last time we had you on here, uh, Red Jacket Chris, you mentioned how part six would have been more effective if it were an anthology series, especially the first half. Mm-hmm. And the minute you said those words, like ever since then, my brain's been like the slow, like THX, like logo. Just <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Because, like, is that? Are you trying to describe an epiphany? Yes. Is that, yeah. <laughs> you reminded me of Madeline Kahn and Clue, like flames on, on the side of my face. Flames in my face. <laughs> Burning. Um, is there a word for like horny for food? You mean hungry? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, your epiphany, Drew, do tell. Um, because a, a lot of people reacted negatively, and some understandably, some takes I saw, I was kind of eyebrow raised. I, I understand people not 
like enjoying the two episodes that Mamoru Oshii wrote for the mm-hmm. first half of part six. They are my two favorite episodes of the first half of part six. And I was kind of like wondering why, but like the approach I would like part six to take is I would love to see more, you know, kind of singular creative voices get one or two episodes. They don't have to be connected, but just an entire Lupin series, 24 episodes get, I mean, again, it could be a number of people get Sally Yamamoto to come back and have like a new take on it. Have Takeshi Koike do an, like an episode that's not related to his Lupin the third films. Nice. Get, um, uh, oh, that's that good our, shit right there. Our co-host <laughs> Guillaume even had an idea where it's like, and of course this would be a little tougher to wrangle, but imagine like, you know, uh, Wit Studio and Trigger and all these different teams handling different episodes because mm-hmm. uh, out of all the three, as Chris calls them, uh, Green Jacket Chris calls them the New Pond series, I think <laughs> part four is still the best as far as overall narrative and pacing goes because Absolutely. that is... Like, mm-hmm. because again, it's Probably a champion. set, consistent area, uh, like a pretty consistent tone. They're all relatively standalone adventures, but all of the supporting characters keep interconnecting and crossing. And this narrative keeps slowly building up and reaches a fever pitch by the end of it. And they haven't quite, re- and again, I appreciate them trying something different with part five. I-, I like the pacing of part five, four arcs, one, one off, you know, four episode arc, one, one off. Mm-hmm. It got a little frisky at the end when it was four episodes hey four one-offs oh shit we got to end well i guess four story arc episodes like you know with a bunch of themes to handle which that that's honestly my biggest issue with that but again part six the pacing out of the three is the worst just being honest because like i like part six enough but again i i am forgiving when it comes to lupon like there's only a tiny handful of things i outright hate in this franchise it takes a lot for me to you know really disown something it takes you know, we, we've talked about it here. I'm not going to go on the checklist of, you know, you know <laughs> what we're talking see. about. In, in the look in your face, you're just like, don't say Twilight Gemini. Don't say Twilight The Twilight Gemini, Gemini Lupin theme is just like playing in my head. Just like. Just, <laughs> just I'm thinking scary CG baby. Scary CG oh, yes. baby. Yes. <laughs> um, what are we talking? You're thinking of the different Twilight then. <laughs> yeah. And, I would like to see, honestly, I would really like to see Yata still be included in like this mm-hmm. thing of one-offs and other characters. But as for me personally, this might not be a popular take. I don't know. With part four, five, and six, I'm kind of ready to move past this little continuity it's set up. Because I mean, there was that one scene in part five, which honestly, I can forgive it, I guess. It kind of frustrates me a lot where it does the clip show where like in this universe, Cagliostro has happened which honestly takes a bit of the way to is the beauty of Cagliostro is kind of how for me it's always felt like Lupin at the end of his run. Well, that's mm-hmm. the intention. Exactly, and, and then when you have this series take place after that, I'm kind of like, well, what, what are we doing here? We've already had a nice ending, and now we're. I, I don't. I'm not going to say it. Don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> no, I, I'm, again, don't. It's it's the mystery science theater, you know, thing. You know, you know, it's only a show. Exactly. You should probably mm-hmm. or the, or, or the Zelda timeline where it's like, don't try to make sense of it. You're just <laughs> absolutely the Zelda timeline. Yeah. Just just accept it and move on. It's just a a, a negative continuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think part six with this last arc handled the element of you know exploring what the gang means to Lupin. A bit better than part five did for me personally. Mm-hmm. But since it did that somewhat, again, I, I 
I, I can, I just got that feeling in my gut of like the wheels kind of spinning. And my only question is like, how many times can we do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe they could, because they could get, maybe hire someone who didn't just write three Detective Conan movies to show run an entire first half. Um, yeah. No disrespect <laughs> to that author, but uh, author, writers, you know what I'm talking about. Well, um, especially because those three Detective Conan films are considered the more meh mm. of some of the other Detective Conan films. And this is coming from a hardcore Detective Conan fan. Like... <laughs> My, my only thing is, I, I don't see how many more times... I would like to keep the the, the, the the dynamic of the Lupin gang's relationship being a bit more matured. But, I mean, also, I, I, it's, I'm kind of contradicting myself. I'd like to see this tone kind of continue. But I would also like to just have an anthology series where it is... They're, they're the archetypal Lupin gang. Do what you want with your one episode. What is your take? Because mm-hmm. they tried to do that in part five. And again, I, I like it, but they were trying to have their cake and eat it too a little bit where it's here's four arcs, but here's also, hey, writers, what does Lupin mean to you? And I, I like it overall, but I, I want one or the other. And I'm leaning more toward, I, I want to see different voices. Like I, I want to see what Lupin means to different people and like mm-hmm. have just a whole exactly. series about that. That's about where I'm at because... I, I would, if they give me a part seven where, you know, Albert comes back and I would Please. love to see Mercedes return, but also looping around in the idea of, of, you know, anthologies, anthology series with different writers, maybe get some of the people who wrote the one-offs in part six and they can bring okay. their characters back that they brought. That's like cool. And, and Lupin says it in the line of dialogue in this episode, four, five, and six kind of had this set continuity. And like for me, Lupin gets a little less interesting when there's a solid continuity, and I, I don't like to see Lupin get tied down by continuity. I, I kind of like that beautiful moment where he like throws the box. He's like, "I don't need this. That's not what defines me. What defines me is what's here and now, moving forward." Like, to, I'm kind of elaborating on it, but that's what I'd like to see. I'm going to shut up now because I'm rambling. But I would like mm-hmm. to see. I don't want to quite say return to part two, but I don't know. Different people. I'll say if you don't want to. Wait, what? <laughs> I'll say if, if you don't want to. attention to get Pete, like, hello? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd like to see more variety in, in, in it. And if we keep doing that, going down this trail of having this set continuity, I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. But it's not what I want, if that makes any sense. I want to see something fresh. Mm-hmm. And th- mm-hmm. that's, that's me. Fresh, but keep Yuji Ono's music. That's the, that's the only thing. Yeah. You know, like, just keep the Yuji Ono music and do whatever you want. It's fine. So th- that's my thought on the series moving forward. And um, I guess, not to wrap it up, but is there anything anyone wants to bring up from the finale or overall part six that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, um, well, the, the, I think, I think you said it was pretty meta, but just like keeping the whole like Lupin not being tied down, tied down to something, you know, again, I write Lupin the third fan fiction that has like, that does delve deep into each and every one of the characters, own backstories. Cause again, I love how it's so, um, it, it's not, there's not a set canon to it that it's open up to interpretation and that's the fun of it. Um, for a lot of us writers, I feel. But what I like about having that set as canon, it just reiterates like the expendability of the characters and the expendability of origin origin stories. Like there is no one set origin story. I mean, we have like episode zero, first contact. We have, we have you know the woman called Fuchigomine. We have the various um, starters in in the manga. So it's like 
I love how like they're just with that, you know, with with all the Titanic Lupin just chucking that box into the fire and, you know, emphasizing the fact that he doesn't need roots to, you know, to define himself. He defines himself by whom he is with his own found family. Like, yes, it's canon. We don't need a set origin story. Boom. It's confirmed. It's it's left to the interpretation of the fanfic writers. And I love it. Thank you. Nice. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, uh, going back to the finale for a moment, there was something that really bothered me. We see, uh, what's her name? Lin Feng uh, Wang again. And yeah. she's not wearing her glasses. <laughs> Damn shame. Right? Really? Like I'm going to sue. <laughs> Write a strongly worded letter. In contacts, the words of John Tron. Contacts. Is that really relevant at all? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I didn't mention it before, but I did like Lupin's line basically like to Matia about um, basically what uh, it's a Carl Jung uh, said like quote. It's like, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's like really stuck with me especially as somebody that's been through like a lot of like stuff in mm-hmm. the past and like trying to not fall into like those habits and stuff and to hear like that out of him too, to basically a murder <laughs> uh, was a uh, pretty, pretty striking with me. So I didn't say that in my initial recap of it mm-hmm. because my brain was mashed potatoes. So no, but that's probably one of the one of my favorite real, like realistic and true to heart lines that Lupin mm-hmm. says. I mean, he said a, a, a lot over the years, but it's like that one in particular, especially in talking to Matea, who has committed outright murder and is a killing machine. You know, this girl, this poor girl, has been like fucked up thanks to Tomoe for mm-hmm. her, for you know Tomoe's own specific purpose. And it's like what Lupin tells her when Lupin tells her that line, it's like for a lot of us who grew up in abusive situations, it's like, oh, that line hits. Yeah, it's like um, I kind of akin it to the um, the line Gamora says in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, no matter how terrible um, I, I think I can't remember the specific line, but it's along the lines of nightmares and dreams like, you know, if I find the specific line, I'll, I'll let you know. But it, those of us who have been through a lot as kids, yeah, like, hmm. I'm about to cry. <laughs> Alrighty, so does that, I suppose, about wrap up everyone's thoughts? Any last words anyone wants to have before we get to the end of the show? Or is that about it? Justice for Albert. Yes, yes. bring back my boy and stop fucking with him. I concur. We're going to start a petition. And uh, more Zenigata. I think that about sums it oh, up. There, yeah. We're, yeah. we're dominated here by like four Zenigata stands, and I, I'm in. I'm, I'm in not that a stand. He's just my favorite character. Oh, <laughs> if he's your favorite character, you're a stand. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll Look, show you a stand. No, but I, I agree with you there. Why, why you also do my boy dirty? <laughs> and now for our final episode of ladies night we present to you our man in switzerland Guillaume. 
Hello again, Lupantic folks. Welcome back to Ladies' Night for one last review of Lupin the Third, Part Six. Indeed, dear listeners, we have reached the final chapter in the newest Lupin series. Some people will cheer, some will be sad, but we're all in this together, folks. Part six has been quite the ride, and there is a lot to be said in its conclusion. For once, I will try not to make a summary of the episode, as I feel what matters is less the events that took place and more their meaning. First of all, I really liked the conclusion. Yes, some of the mysteries that were teased throughout the Tomoe arc either turned out to be smokescreens or will not find a definitive answer. And you know how some fans can be when they are not given answers. This did not bother me, as I felt they were traps all along. And hey, at least these mysteries were not instrumental to the plot, only possible options, contrary to J.J. Abrams' way of writing. There, I said it, sue me. What mattered in this episode is that Lupin was breaking an old chain while accepting a forgotten part of his past. That Tomoe was his real mother or not did not matter. What mattered was that Tomoe had become extremely dangerous, seeing other people, especially other women's lives, as expendable puppets. In that respect, Lupin killing Tomoe was a fitting end. And also a tragic one, you know, he still saw her as a mother figure. Just as he spared Mercedes because he understood she was not beyond help, he saw that Tomoe could not be saved from her own obsession. It then created an interesting debate and slightly comical fight with Mattia, the other person wronged by Tomoe. I liked how the fight with Lupin was both creative and brutal, with elements of monkey punch gags like the shoe blades. The lesson Lupin teaches Mattia is probably one of the most important in the whole franchise and one we don't really hear anywhere else. We might be a product of our education, but the way we deal with our upbringing is ultimately up to ourselves. In an era of determinist rhetoric coming from both sides of the political spectrum, this is a refreshing take. Mattia surrenders and Zenigata, who arrived on the scene, cuffs her. We also learn that Aliana has survived her wounds to our collective relief. The vault scene was a good gag too giving some levity to a relatively somber episode with the animation ticking things up a notch, which I really appreciated. I also really like the end montage, showing all the women we met during this second half, reminding us of the scope of this plot, and that all of it mattered. And yes, it was predictable that Lupin had broken Tomoe's spell at some point, but it was nice to see all the little clues from the previous episode get their answer in this one. I especially like the part 2 homage with Fujiko using lipstick as a bullet. Goemon, Jigen and Fujiko remind Lupin of who he is, solidifying part 6 as a family story. This episode even manages to make Part 6 Episode 0, The Times, relevant to the whole. Think of it, both episodes have the gang together in a mansion talking about their personal bonds. I know, this is all a bit fast and furious, we're family, but it makes sense within the series and even the franchise as a whole. Part 4 was a retro effort 
where the character's relationship was more or less the same we had seen until then. Part 5 explored the tensions between the gang members, with Fujiko and Lupin estranged, Goemon on the edge and Jigen being Lupin's one bedrock. Now, in part 6, the gang works out their differences. Fujiko is much more organically part of the gang and they feel like a working ensemble. And I think this is ultimately part 6's best quality. It's laid-back nature. Part 4 was also relatively mundane, with the Italian dream plot being more subdued until the end. Part 5 was full of tensions and high stakes, and justifiably so. Part 6, on the other hand, even taking the two main plots into account, felt strangely more peaceful, as if our characters had matured. Some people had feared that Part 6 would fall into the topical when it was first announced, and while this series did not shy away from some isolated elements of real-world problems, it mostly focused on detective fiction for one half and Lupin's relationship with women in the other. We had horror-tinged episodes here and there, some blood and scares, but overall, this is probably the most gentle of the modern series. It felt like a little candy to soothe the salt of modern life. I think it will take time to judge part 6 as a whole in fairness and honesty. I don't think anyone with a fraction of intellectual honesty would call it bad, but your appreciation will obviously vary depending on your tastes and expectations. I will fully admit that reviewing the show on a weekly basis with a strong social media presence did influence my way of looking at the show, and it took me some effort to not let it cloud my judgement. Again, people, do not listen to the fandom. Listen to your heart. For now, Lupin and the gang are off to new, yet untold adventures. And considering this is the third Lupin TV series to use the location marketing with a mixture of plot and standalones, maybe this is also the logical end of that formula. The future is never certain, especially as Japan is still far from done with the pandemic. It did not stop this season to provide wonderful animated series though, like Sono Biscadore or Osama Ranking. So there is reason to hope. We know, thanks to tweets by composer James Shimoji, that a fourth Takeshi Koike movie is probably in the works. Koike's fresh take on Lupin has helped energizing the franchise tremendously, and I can't wait to see the next installment of his vision. Our podcast will take a much-needed break, and will resume its coverage of classic Lupin the Third installments. There might be a few surprises here and there along the way, and I am already brewing something special for you all. But that is another story. Thank you for joining us on this journey. That's all for me, Lupantic folks. Until then, take care, and remember, it's important to know your roots in order to grow branches. But do not dig too long, or the tree might fall. You can find me on Twitter at William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on Diventart and Art Station as Shin Red Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee, also under Shin Red Deer. Alrighty, so in that case, uh, before we wrap up tonight, 
Not only is this a special episode of Cyburns and Cigarettes, because it's the last episode of Ladies, Ladies Night, and I can finally get some sleep during the week for once. That's going to be nice. <laughs> what is um, that? That's a good question. I'll get back to you when I, fi- when I, when I figure it out. One of us tonight will be uh, becoming a permanent member of the Sideburns and Cigarettes crew, and that would be one Emma, our very first guest Yay. on the show. Yay! <laughs> very fir- I thought I was the very first guest. That's I thought true. it was going to be the Magic 8-Ball. Yeah. building this whole thing up. The Magic 8-Ball is the The Magic 8-Ball, Yorick and me, were a package deal. episodes were laid out because Natalie you were our first guest but that episode took because we were going to originally do an episode that was three episodes it's three part one episodes reviewed in one episode that ended up not working out so we split it in the process of uh, splitting those episodes she became a co-host in the middle of that yeah (laughs) I didn't get as grandiose announcement but I'm okay (laughs) I am trust me (laughs) Yeah, I am excited to be on. Uh, This show means so much to me. Uh, Series means so much to me. And especially like part six, I kind of fell out like due to personal reasons within the last year, kind of struggled with like my love for it. Part six brought it back. So I'm really excited going forward. No, heck yeah. We're, ex- we're excited to have you. Yeah, yeah and just like exactly. the Lupin gang, th- this has really been a found family. Like, I for one can honestly say, and I always say this of my coming to Jesus moment, but I'm so thankful for Lupin for giving me some of the greatest friends I've ever met, some of the greatest acquaintances I've ever met who have been guests on the show. And yeah, that's what I got to say about Emma joining. So I'm so glad one of my best friends is joining. I love you, bro. It's going to be great. <laughs> you are my son. <laughs> Which means uh, another a little announcement. Apart from this episode, obviously, since we've announced it at the end, Emma, uh, Emma's first episode with us will be, it's going to be a little bit down the line in April after the official discotheque release of First Contact arrives, we will be reviewing the dub of mm. First Contact. So... I am losing my shit over this because that is my comfort special. So. It is exciting. So and yeah, boy. I guess I'm going to get a lot of the uh, a lot of the announcements out today. Afterwards, um, I will, let's see. In April, we will oh, be we'll doing be. the first contact dub review. In May, our episode that month will be uh, hosted by the one and only Green Jacket Chris, our amazing Chris Godby, and it's going to be our. Lupin the Third Starters Kit episode in which each of us pick five entries in the Lupin the Third franchise that we would choose to be the best entry point for newcomers. So, Chris, looking forward to seeing what you got in store there. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be great. I can't, I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. And then after that, in June, it's been a hot minute, y'all, but we're getting back to our once a month. Part one reviews. We're jumping to uh, what is it, episode 10, Target the Cash Counterfeiter. We get back to a schedule of one episode and one or two mini shows a month. And my God, I can't wait for all the rest I'm going to get. And it's going to be nice to actually focus and uh, 
think about an episode a bit longer and write my thoughts out and do research on it. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. I'm, I'm okay, guys. It's fine. I'm not frazzled <laughs> at all. And on the subject, <laughs> and on the subject of minisodes, aside from me, um, since we're getting back to part one, aside from me um, doing one episode, one episode talking about the Latin American dub in English and then following it up in Spanish for nuestros gentes in Sur America and Central America. I'm still working on my Spanish, even though it's my first language. Anyways, um, <laughs> I will get back to talking with Aficionados Chris over his book. This is going to be revamped, redone, and on time because his book is set to be released um, sometime, hopefully, this year. Um, actually, you know what? Maybe I should also have Lauren come on with it, too, so we I can discuss also her art. Yes. So whenever you guys are down to meet with me um, and we discuss your book, I would I would really love that. This. I, I loved I. I love bringing them on the show. Honestly, they, they, oh, these yes. guys are, you know, I'm, I'm not to toot their own horns or anything, but they're the nicest people you'll ever meet, and I'm just so thankful <laughs> that through this yeah, project Lauren you is. have yet to have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, you're so sure. <laughs> also, no, you should say too with me joining that Lauren is also taking it upon herself to redo the banner. Oh, of course, you guys are awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Also, whenever you're back here. up for commissions, uh, I got more fanfic characters <laughs> <laughs> and more money. <laughs> and, you know, since we're on the subject, uh, Lauren, where can we find you on the social medias? Well, I do have my uh, portfolio site, uh, laurenkissichart.com, which is L A U R E N K I S I C H art.com. And, uh, but otherwise, on the socials, I am most active on Twitter. Uh, which you can find at the Abbey Roadie, which is think Abbey Road from the Beatles with an IE at the end. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast and especially for to wrap up part six and to have been in, in two different episodes all revolving around part six. It feels like it's wrapping it up in a nice little bow. And so thank you guys for, for having me and having Chris on. So we thank you for you joining. <laughs> and aficionados Chris, where can we find you? Uh, well, here currently, but if you want to follow <laughs> updates, uh, mostly about the book, uh, just follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm the most active, like Lauren, which is aficionado Chris, uh, because Twitter would not allow me to call myself aficionados Chris. So it was either aficionados cry or aficionado Chris. <laughs> so I went with the latter. So follow me there. I post on Instagram, but only if you like looking at Blu-rays. Should you follow that, really? If you want more, more interesting That's Drew's. Stuff. That's Drew's kind of... Um, Ironically, um, Drew thing. doesn't follow me on Instagram. So, like, the <laughs> one Drew. person who would find those posts interesting is not following me. I rarely use account. my Instagram. I apologize. I know. I, 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 I also rarely use it. It's just like, oh, Same. yeah, I got to post it on Instagram, too. But, yeah, follow me on Twitter, and you'll get lots of... Uh, updates that i can hopefully legally share about the book there's been a lot of great things on the back end i can't share them here because some of them are a little uncertain but let's just say someone who a lot of you have not heard from in probably 15 years (laughs) i made great progress with and (sighs) something may happen something may happen but we'll see very very nice something something Uh, natalie where can we find you on the social medias uh, currently right now you can only find me on Twitter 
because uh, this girl is taking both a French class and working on her master's degree right now. Kill me, Lord, please. <laughs> um, so honestly, you can really only find me active on Twitter right now at CAP, C-A-P, Lee Helsing, L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. If you want to follow me on the Instas, which I put myself in jail for because of life, it's fully spelled out Captain Lee Helsing. And... Yeah, that's the only place really you can find me right now because I don't have a life. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Emma, where can we find you? Well, I'm all over social media, but the one that I am probably most active with is Twitter. Uh, so at E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. I don't expect many good things on there. It's just a constant stream of bullshit and like crazy thoughts and like really awful like takes that I say and just put my phone down and just let let it go. Um, so, so do you so do you joke that you're back on your bullshit? I don't even joke about that. <laughs> That's just fact. <laughs> so enter at your own risk. Um, and then I am on Instagram, E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227. Most of my cosplays are on there, as well as pictures of my cat and my dogs. I do also have an Etsy, uh, Wicked Clean Creations, and I do sell soaps and candles uh, based off of specific characters that we love. So that's basically where you can find me. Heck yeah. Buy that soap. Yay. It's good soap. <laughs> I got soap. <laughs> I got the soap. <laughs> so, Green Jacket Chris, where can we find you online? Oh, man, where can't you find me? I'm on uh, Twitter at Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Uh, you can find me most places at Amazing Chris Godby. It's a G-O-D-B-E-Y. Um, I think I'm under that name on uh, Newgrounds, Instagram, and uh I have a Facebook page. I also have a site, AmazingChrisGodby.com. And uh, my web comics are available at WeirdInACan.com and DrawOCoward.com. And our lovely host, Drew, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. That's TrueHunter15. Expect to see... I sometimes post about Blu-rays I order, and sometimes I just post a bunch of nonsense. It's it's uh, totally worth your time, I say. They <laughs> <laughs> talk about it. It's fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's the two um, physical copy um, people. <laughs> hey, when the world collapses and there's no internet, we're not sharing our movies. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not either. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be the only ones in town with the movies that you can't watch. (laughs) We'll be sitting atop our home theaters laughing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like like that one episode in South Park. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you can find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to scroll down. Give us a five-star review if you're feeling up to it. We're at the last episode of Part 6. I don't have to make a reference, a joke that's, I have to do the, that's related to the episode because I'm done. I'm tired. I'm ready to move on. <laughs> 
Just um, chuck so, those five stars into the fire and give it to us because we just, need it. We need that validation. <laughs> if you don't give us five stars, we will deck you like Lupin deck Mattia. There you go. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> I, I, I suppose. <laughs> on that note. Uh, <laughs> that's twice now I've been on a show where physical violence has been threatened toward the listener at the end. <laughs> you are now um, uh, what is it? You are now an accessory to uh, whatever might um, occur to our podcast. I Legally, apologize. I don't know you. <laughs> this is true. You're good. Oh, boy. On that note, we'll see you next week. Oh, wait. No, we won't. We'll see you again at some point, Lupontic folks, when we cover uh, First Contact, the dub, and I'll finally have a good night's sleep. Um, It's been an amazing ride, y'all, and thank you so much for listening in. It it really has. My, 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 uh, My saltiness aside, this has been such a fun experience to do like like it's really helped me on my editing skills it's been lovely talking with all of y'all all the guests we've had on present company included it's, it's been lovely to have it's been lovely to have you on you will most certainly be re- uh, recurring guests on this show because y'all are like just, the terminator you'll be I'm back <laughs> i was the most fun to talk to you. because drew when you said next week and then you realize and like the look <laughs> It's just like, <gasps> <laughs> and the then he heard the angels. Just <laughs> it's like such a relief. I was Rest. like, oh my god. Rest at last. And but all that aside, this has been this has been a great experience, and I I had fun. I loved it, but I don't want to see another new Lupin series for at least three years. Um, Agreed. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be nice. So you give us a nice three-year break. When the Kawiki film comes out, we'll cover it. Any new Blu-rays that happen. But until that point, have a good night, Lupontic folks. This is this has been a blast. Good night. Night. And I'll finish up my parts on Thought 6, and then I'll transition to you, Emma, and get your thoughts on everything. I love that you just said your parts on Thought 6. (laughs) (laughs) This is what Part 6 has done to me. I'll get to that. (laughs) Okay, I found the the episode title. Parts on Thought 6. I'm going to have to include it. Do it, do it, do it. You got to, please. This is going to be the after credits bit. That's going to be be the title of the episode. (laughs) We'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through, or just like you always do, till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away. Oh, will you please say hello to the folks that I know? Tell them I won't be long. They'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. We'll meet again 
No, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. <laughs> you thought you were rid of me, Gold Mask. You fool, I shall return, I shall return. <laughs> oh, God, that gold paint stinks. <laughs>